Hello, this is Bill Summers. Hi, this is Mike Clark. Hi, this is Ingrid Lucia. Yeah, you're right. This is Dr. John. I'm Mulgrew Miller. This is Idris Mohammed. This is Bobby Bush. Hi, this is Harry Shearer. You're joining me and so many other discerning listeners. You are listening to the WWOZ Interview Podcast. There's two of uh, New Orleans' finest, uh, Herlin Riley on drums. That's his album, uh, and the tune was his composition, New York Walk, uh, and on saxophone. Mr. The One and Only Victor Goines, who happens to have just walked into the studio and is going to be going over to Snug Harbor now, for those of you cats who are from out of town and you've had your share of time on Bourbon Street and seen what that scene's about, and you've checked out other venues, uh, you might want to check out uh, Frenchman Street. You can check out Chickiwawa over on Canal. You can check out the clubs, those cafes, other places down on Magazine. You can go out to Sweet Lorraine's, uh, Siberia, uh, High Hole Lounge. There's a whole bunch of clubs all over the city. For jazz tonight, there are a number of clubs, one of which at 8 o'clock and 10 o'clock at 626 Frenchman Street. The place is called Snug Harbor. And Victor Goines, who is originally from St. Augustine High School, that's Marching 100, just marched in the Rose Parade again. And, um, and Victor is in the house. And he's going to be over there. He's going to tell us about the musicians he's going to be playing with tonight. But let me tell you something. Victor's a very modest kind of guy. Uh, we're talking about one of the premier uh, reed players. And I say that because he plays sax and clarinet <coughs> off the hinge. And he's one of the most premier, he is one of the premier uh, reed players in the world. Uh, plays with jazz at Lincoln Center Orchestra, has for over a decade. And um, plays with Wint Marcellus in his septet and has stirred the world with the septet. And has uh, started the program at Juilliard for Jazz Studies and is up at Northwestern now working on their program, making it into the first class program Northwestern would expect. And uh, he's kind enough to have just stopped by the studio and we've got his new album in my hand. Victor, welcome to WWOZ where you used to be a DJ. That's right. I used to be a DJ. Thank you very much. You can come introduce me anywhere, man. I like that. You made me. You flattered me, and you made me exhausted all in the same sentence. It's been busy, but it's been great. Victor, how long are you in town, and uh, and who are going to be with you tonight in the at the Snug Harbor? Well, I'm in town until Sunday. I go back to Chicago on Sunday after a long ways away. But um, tonight I'm going to be at Snug Harbor with three young musicians who um, happen to have studied with a very good friend of mine who was in my band for some period of time. I'm speaking about Leon Anderson, Jr., who's now the director of jazz studies at Florida State University. And ironically, all of these students are from his program, so the six degrees of separation are not very far. They've actually gotten to be more like two or three. But tonight on the bass will be Barry Stevenson, um, fine bass player. He goes back and forth between New York playing. He played with um, Jonathan Baptiste as well. 
as well as Jameson Ross, fantastic King drummer who won the Monk competition a couple of years ago. Also going on the road with Jonathan Baptiste. And um, on piano will be Austin Johnson, who plays with Delphi and Marcellus's group. So um, some really, really fine young musicians who now reside in New Orleans and were a part of the Florida State Jazz Studies program. So I'm telling you, the Super Bowl is good. The Sugar Bowl is very good. This is off the hinge. Well, and if that, if that wasn't exciting enough, on Saturday night, too, I'll be at Snug Harbor with Hurl and Riley. Whoa. So we'll have another uh, reunion of sorts. I'm so glad to hear that. My wife and I got tickets for that. Fantastic. We're going to be there. Okay. For sure. Well, that's exciting. Tell us about this album. It's called Morning Swing, and I'll play a tune. Just I want to finish up with you fairly soon because I know you got to get over there for right. sound check. And you're, Victor spends his time between what Atlanta, New York, <laughs> Chicago and he but he always comes home. Always comes home. Well, you know, and I and you just squeeze us in and I don't I can't appreciate it enough. You're just off you're ridiculous. Thank you. Well, the phrase is no place like home is truly appropriate. I mean, there's no place like home. And one of the great uh, one of, we've got to mention your mentor at St. Augustine. Oh, yeah. Well, which one of them? I have so many of them. Uh, in music, it was Edwin Harrell Hampton, but also two other great band directors there were uh, Carl Bluen Sr., who's still a very good friend of mine, and we, we uh, speak all the time. Um, Mr. Lawrence Winchester, who has also passed away. There was another one, uh, Edward Allen, who passed away. And um, all of my academic instructors, Mr. Davis, Mr. Augustine, I mean, all of those are great mentors of mine, so... Fantastic. I notice on the album you have uh, Body and Soul, and I played a rendition of that. A few people were listening, that uh, 12-and-a-half-minute rendition uh, that was simply just brought down the house uh, back in 1998, 15 years ago. That's an old Coleman Hawkins tune. Why did you pick that tune, and what is it about that tune that makes it so special? Well, first of all, the piece is composed by... by, um Johnny Green, but Coleman Hawkins owns the rights to the tune, in my opinion. There's um, no other version like Hawks. And as a tenor saxophone player, it's very important that we understand um, that piece and how it relates to our instrument via Coleman Hawkins. Um, so when I play, I always try to deal with the history of the music and the traditions that exist before me. So it was, it was just, and it still is an opportunity to pay tribute to the people who made the instrument that I did. I decided to play, in this case, the tenor saxophone, what it was or what it is today. Just as on this recording that uh, you have there in front of you, the latest one entitled Morning Swing, that, this recording is a collection of pieces that were associated with Benny Goodman. And um, as a clarinet player, obviously I've checked out Sidney Bechet and Omar Simeon and, and all of the New Orleans tradition that goes along with the, the clarinet. But obviously there's a, a great tradition that goes with the swing era as well with Audie Shaw, Benny Goodman, Buddy DeFranco, yada, yada, and New Orleans tradition to the present, Alvin Batiste. So um, as, a, as, as a musician, I think history, is, as a person, I believe that history is really important. And that's why on Morning Swing it was an opportunity for me to study the music of Benny Goodman's on another intense type of level. So that's what this CD is all about, the music of Benny Goodman. V- Benny Goodman... Uh had trouble allowing some of his musicians to improvise too much, didn't he? Uh, as opposed to the Duke, who was very generous with his time. Benny liked structure, I think, inside of his thing. But he also was, from what I can tell from other musicians I've um, spoken with, Benny was a guy, I think, 
when they look at him, they think he, he meddled with his musicians a lot. I think he was trying to have a lot of fun. He had something he called the ray, meaning that he would look across the room at somebody and you could feel him looking at you. And um, I've heard stories about when he would, um, if a musician played a really good solo on a tenor saxophone, he'd say something like, oh, George, would you take that solo and hand it down to the other person and let them play it? Or your sound is just not fashionable for the band or something like that. <laughs> but And if then the other guy would play a great version of that. He'd say, oh, would you give that back to George? I think his sound was a little bit more fashionable than yours. <laughs> you know, he would do something like that. Just, I think, to keep it a little bit lively in the band and competitive. You've talked about improvisation before when you've been on the air. And recently we had Mulgrew Miller on early oh, in the year, the wow. great, the late great, the most yeah. wonderful human being. Yeah. Um, and he, he said you could teach, it would be hard to teach improvisation, the con- uh, that it's very difficult. You've worked in the finest jazz studies program. First of all, what is improvisation? I mean, how does the mind think as it's creating as it's going along, for listeners who don't do it, now I'm a listener, it's very hard to understand how your mind does that. Well, I think for me, I, first of all, I, I was influenced at a master class by the great James Moody in 1987 by a statement that he made to me that was so profound as one I use in my classes all the time and in many of my lectures. He said, there's no such thing as easy and difficult, only familiar and unfamiliar. And the more you do something, the more easy or easier or simple it seems to be. But in fact, what you're doing is familiarizing yourself with it. So in a broader sense for me, I've tried to deal with my music on a broader level of how it interacts with people on a day-to-day basis. So when I think about improvisation, as you said, it's kind of, it's so difficult for someone to do. It's not really difficult because everyone's an improviser. We're talking right now. We didn't have a script in front of us. We're not reading from paper. We're just improvising. We're talking, and because of our familiarity with the subject matter and the language, it allows us to have this dialogue about it that hopefully will be intriguing not only to us but our listeners out there on WWOZ. Now, to be great at improv- improvisation takes many, many years. That's another thing especially in music or in language. If you want to be a great speaker, you study language and the history of it and vocabulary and great speeches and whatnot. You check out the rhythms of what great speakers had, be it Martin Luther King Jr., John F. Kennedy, um, you know, any great speaker in the world. And you try to imitate those things to ultimately get your own rhythm in place. So I think I kind of have adopted James Moody's way of dealing with things, that if you want to be great at something... You have to have the attitude of not giving up on it and becoming as familiar as possible with that particular activity. You are listening to WWOZ. It is 628 here in the Crescent City. I'm talking to the unbelievable Victor Goins, um, who who plays his instrument as well as he speaks the English language. He's a master and a master teacher. Let me press you a little further on this. Okay. Like you were doing in uh, Body and Soul, mm-hmm. um, you went off into areas, I assume, that you hadn't laid out completely and created something unexpected, the, uh, the syncopation you've mm-hmm. talked about. Um, where, does that, where do you know to pull that out? Where do you find that? Well, I think um, we're always trying to practice different things along the way, but... Uh, Fortunately, when we get on the bandstand with other great musicians, we get inspired. 
because as, as performers of any sort, be it music, photography, basketball, you always want to play or be in a company of people who are better than you, and you want to play with people who are better, when you, better than you. So when you're in that company, they inspire you to hopefully get out of your comfort zone and try to play something that's profound. And some of the greatest or most profound things that have ever been played have come as a result of a mistake. And you take something like um, the heebie-jeebies by Louis Armstrong, and we all know that um, that scat chorus that he did up in there was a result of the music falling off the stand which I'm sure at the beginning of the ticket and say, let me knock the music off the stand and figure out how I'm going to make it through the song because I'm not going to remember the words. But um, as a result of that music falling off, then something profound came out of which was called scat. So I can only imagine that maybe whatever I might have played on that recording that, that appealed to you was a result of um, that mystical, magical moment when everyone was on the same page and the music, musicians around me were influencing me and encouraging me to try to reach for something greater than what I had done, not only in another performance, but at any other time. That's the only way I can possibly explain that. Again, we're talking to Victor Coins here at WWOZ. You stopped it. He's going to be over at Snug Harbor tonight at 8 o'clock and 10 o'clock. They have two shows over at Snug. Let me warn you about something. There are a lot of people in the quarter right now, and if you want to catch this show, and let me tell you something. Anytime you can catch snug, something at Snug, you're lucky. If you, When you get a guy like Victor Goins, who just happens to be in town right now, don't miss it. And you can phone over to Snug and make your reservations if you want. But it's at 8 and 10. That's 626 Frenchman Street, just about a block and a half away from the Mint and the French Market. So it isn't way out. It's very close to the quarter, but it is where some things are really happening all along that street. But tonight at 8 and 10, let me suggest something else, too. You don't come in late. Uh, Jason Patterson likes to start on time. (laughs) Absolutely. So this is not New Orleans style. You get there when you get there. (laughs) You you get there 8 or 10 o'clock, and be sure to get there before if you're going to, uh, to get the right seat, too. Right, right. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to bust in well, if I can. On, I'm going to try to bust in if you. I can. Yeah. Victor, what do you have planned for yourself? And oh, Well, let's talk about the album real mm-hmm. quick because I know you got to go and get over there for sound check and everything else. But um, tell us about what inspired you for Morning Swing. And you just had another album uh, a year ago, Twilight, that, you, Twilight, that you've right. released. Right. Well... Twilight was fun. I mean, it was a, the result of performing with some students of mine during my time at, in New York and at the Juilliard School. And um, I pulled together a group of Aaron Deal, Yasushi Nakamura, and Marion Felder on the drums. And on a couple of the tracks, there's a young man named Philip Keen who plays bass as well. And um, we had just, the music had started evolving in such a way that I felt like I just had to document it. And it turned out to be... Musicians always ask, what is your best recording? I actually felt like that was my best recording. I can actually say that. Usually we, we say our next recording is our best recording. But that, was, that is my best to date, I feel. Um, I'm very proud of Morning Swing for a lot of other reasons as well. The clarinet is um, on it throughout the entire um, recording. There's only one other time that I did an entire clarinet record, and that piece was called um, To Those We Love So Dearly. It was a, a recording I did for my mother. And um, I just wanted to highlight my abilities on the clarinet at that time. And it was all different types of clarinets. B-flat clarinet, alto clarinet, E-flat clarinet, bass clarinet. Wow. 
But this one is all the B-flat clarinet in the tradition of Goodman. But the other thing that's special about it, again, is that um, it gave me an opportunity to spend time with some musicians in Chicago um, and establish myself performing with them. Um, and with all of my projects, they're, they're very close to home. And this one is really close to home because sitting next to me is a gentleman who's a photographer and a longtime friend named Cedric Ellsworth. And we've been working together on different projects all along my internet projects. In fact, when I did my first CD called uh, Joe's Blues, he and his wife, his entire family, all of us, I mean, it was interesting. We did a record release during the New Orleans Jazz and Heritage Festival time. And everybody participated in the party, which was at the Autocrat Socialist Pleasure Club on London Avenue or AP Turo. St. Bernard, actually, right? And, um, and Cedric... And his family, nephews and nieces, during the Jazz Fest time, we would create flyers. He would create the flyers. He's also a computer expert for IBM. So he would create the flyers and round up all his nephews and nieces, and they'd be putting flyers on cars all around the French Quarter, all around the Jazz and Heritage Festival. So while I've been fortunate to somewhat be the face of the project, I've been fortunate to have these kind of friends and family members around me who have contributed so much time and effort that... If I had to put it into dollar signs, I would not be able to afford it. So come on up here, Cedric. He's going to talk to Cedric, too. So the artwork for Morning Swing is Cedric's artwork. It's his creative idea, you know. So um, I said, hey, man, come up with something for me. I don't know what to do. I mean, I, I try to focus on the music. So he came up with all of the artwork for this CD. And this is a result of his efforts. So we're going to make sure he comes up to the microphone, even though he's kind of shy. He do not want to come up. But, uh, hey, you know things about Victor and that you a, could tell us. Yeah, <laughs> well, we're not going to talk about that. But he's a professional photographer. It's funny, we were walking up uh, Frenchman Street as we were leaving the club, and we passed at least three artists, and all of them were like, hey, Cedric, what's happening? I was like, hey, man, I thought I was a musician. Everybody on Frenchman Street know you because he's photographed everyone on Frenchman Street. He knows all the clubs and everything else like that. So, you know, I mean, that's really what makes Morning Swing and many of my projects so special because I've been been able to work with the people who have been – very instrumental in me excelling as a musician and supporting me throughout the years. So this is Cedric Ellsworth sitting next to my buddy. I'm going to ask you a question in a moment, but let me remind everybody we're talking to Victor Goins and in particular about his brand new album, Morning Swing. If you forgot to give somebody a Christmas present, where can they get it? It'll, it'll be at Snug Harbor tonight. It'll be at Snug Harbor tonight. You can buy it. Will you sign it? I will. He'll sign it there tonight. And can they also get it uh, by going to Amazon. We're or, working on that right now and having it online and all of the sites that you'll be able to access it. But it will be out on the digital part of it very soon, and we have the physical copies at Snug Harbor tonight. That's wonderful. We are. Someone's trying to phone in. One moment. It's Missy Bowen. i got to take it. Missy, I'm on air right now. Can you tell me what it is? Okay. Missy's going to be coming in in about 25 minutes, and that's she's warning you, be ready for some great off-the-hinge music. <laughs> Cedric, how long have you known yeah, this guy? Uh, man, I've known this guy. Victor is my best friend uh, all through high school, uh, St. Aug and March 100s. Uh, he's the best man at my wedding. So I've known his wife as long as he's known his <laughs> <Yeah>. wife. <laughs> <laughs> Very good friend of mine, so I always admire him and his his role in music. So. Cedric's also a clarinet player from our high school days. <laughs> yeah, I serious. Can't. Not in the moment. <laughs> uh, well, there are a lot of musicians from your high school days that oh, went on to very professional. Much, very much. Oh, yeah. Very, very much. much, right? Very much. A lot of reed players. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Uh, tell me something. If someone wants to see your pictures, 
my my pictures uh, can be seen at uh, it's called Nola View Photography, and it's actually at Nola View, which is like V I E U X, like oh. Nola View, Kare, but it's Nola View Photography dot zenfolio dot com. Okay, you're going to do that slowly one more time, right. and for those of you who remember. Vu is not view, V-I-E-W. It's <laughs> V-I-E-U-X. Okay, like so that. say it from the beginning. NOLA, N-O-L-A, VU, V-I-E-U-X, photography. All one word. All one word. At Zenfolio, Z-E-N-F-O-L-I-O, dot com. And you can go and take a look. Yeah. They, that's you, wonderful. <laughs> I'm going to go home and look. Please do. Please do. <laughs> Victor, what do you have planned for the future? I have um, a commission work that's going to be performed at Jazz at Lincoln Center on the 17th and 18th of January. It's half of a concert shared with my remate, Ted Nash. And his half of the concert is going to be Great Speeches of America. He's going to write music to match that. My um, half of the concert is pretty predictable. It's going to be called Crescent City. And um, when they asked me about what I would like to do and who I'd like to play on it, I picked one person and one person only, and I called him personally. That was Branford Marcellus. And uh, he agreed to do it. He said, if you, if, since you're calling me, I have to do it. And he agreed to do it. So um, that's the major thing on my plate right now. I'm completing the music as we speak. It's going to be so hot off the press, they might have to wear gloves <laughs> to pick it up. But uh, it's going to be fun. And um, we just finished a week at Dizzy's Club Coca-Cola with the Septet. And we hadn't played together in almost 10 years. It was phenomenal. So we brought in a new year with that. Um, I have some other opportunities that I'm performing in southern Illinois and other places. And then I'm actually going to do another recording. And um, I think it's like February 3rd. I just made a commitment to myself as an artist that each year I need to do a recording. And just for our listeners to know and for our students of the music to know, I mean, the label that I record on is my own record label, Rosemary Joseph Records. The rationale behind it is that I think you should not wait for a record company of any source to document your music. Everybody has to take their own responsibility. In fact, if I own my own record company and an artist wasn't willing to invest in himself or herself, I would not actually invest in them because I think they, they would not be proven to me that the product is of quality. But if you go invest in yourself, then it might encourage someone else to take the risk. So for me... Documenting my, my own music has become a priority. So I have, I think, um, six recordings on my own label. I did two for Crisscross along the way. But as a leader, I have six. I'm going to do this next record. It's going to be a quartet with some outstanding musicians. Um, again, that young man, Yasushi Nakamura, will be on the bass. Gary Motley will be on the piano. A great friend of mine who comes from, I think he comes from Mississippi, but he lives in Atlanta, Georgia. We have a long-term friendship. And a young man who I met about three years ago after I moved to Chicago named Greg Archery. He's a fantastic drummer who lives in Indianapolis. So we're going to be performing at a performing arts center called Cedarhurst Museum in Mount Vernon, Illinois. So whenever I get musicians together for an extended period of time, I'm always like, okay, now how can we get this recorded? Because we're going to have time together. We might be able to you know, put in the necessary energy that will get it done. The resources... They cost what they cost. Um, I, I made a commitment. I'm not going to get rich at what I do. But I can actually leave something behind so that maybe five, six hundred years from now when all is done and somebody might pick up this one lone CD and say, man, 
who was Victor Goins? You know, that's, that's the way I think. That when I close my eyes, I want my names to be in print somewhere in a history book, in a music book, or on recordings and things like that. Because I think there have been so many fantastic musicians in the city of New Orleans, in the United States of America, around the world, who were phenomenal talents, but just were never documented. So therefore, they just become something that was a legend, like the legend of Buddy Bolden. For those of you who don't know Buddy Bolden, no one has any recordings right. of perhaps one of the great, greatest creators of jazz as mm-hmm. we know it right. in the modern era, starting back in the old days. Right, prior to Louis Armstrong. That's right. Victor, does your, cla- do you, does your program at Northwestern, does it cover the kind of economic questions? Because we've got a lot of kids and families that are listening right now whose kids are thinking of making a life out of music, and they don't realize that while you do have to feed yourself, you do have to keep a house over the head, and you do have to raise a family sometimes. That, that's the number one question asked of um, a prospective student and their parents. How will my son or daughter make a living? Um, I'll just give you the answer that I give them, and then I'll tell you a little bit about when I moved to New York the first time. But... Um, I start out by asking them, what occupation is guaranteed an income? In fact, there's not one occupation that guarantees an income. There are some that there are more likely chance to get a, an income. If you become a doctor, you can tend to get on a hospital and make a salary. I remember in the 70s, everybody was going to, wanted to be a CPA. They had an abundance of certified public accountants. Nobody wants to be that anymore because everybody can buy Quicken and do that now. But the short of it is... I think students should do whatever it is that they love to do because I think you have a better chance of defining what happiness is to you because happiness is not defined by the dollar sign. I mean, that, that, that's great to have it, and you need to have it to exist. But you can do what you love and, and figure out what it takes for you to exist and what you can be happy with because so many times people buy things and buy things and buy mansions and things way beyond their happiness and at the end of the day they end up losing it all because they can't maintain that type of wealth or they can't maintain that type of living whatever living beyond their means as we call it in the, in the industry <coughs> excuse me but if you can find a way to pursue your dream and happiness and exist inside the world then that'll be great and the reason why I mentioned my New York days is when I moved to New York back in 1989 um, I was a freelance musician like everybody else there. And I remember Ellis Marcellus telling myself, Reginald Ville, and Noel Kendricks, we used to be in his band during that time, as we were considering leaving the city. He said, one of the keys to surviving in New York is to being able to sustain yourself beyond the time frame of others. In other words, just being able to outlast people sometimes. Sometimes you can go there as the greatest musician ever and make a way for yourself right away. Other people, you have to have endurance and be able to make the stance. I think for me, that preparation of understanding that I'm there for the long term. You know, short-term goals are great, but long-term existence is better. So when I went to New York the first time, I remember working at A&P during the daytime, 6 in the morning to noon. I'd go home and practice all day. I'd eat at 8 o'clock. I'd be in the blue note by 9 until 3 in the morning. I'd do it every day. Lo and behold, it landed me opportunities to perform on Broadway in black and blue, ultimately develop a relationship with the one and only and the great Ruth Brown and play in her band for almost 10 years and learn so many things from her and freelance with so many other great musicians. In fact, in that band in black and blue, it was where I got to be reunited with Emery Thompson, great trumpeter from New Orleans, 
And um, so many of the legends of jazz, like Jerome Richardson, who played with Thad Jones, and Bill Easley, uh, who was a st- uh, first call clarinetist in New York. That's who I was subbing for. Haywood Henry, who played with Erskine Hawkins' band, Grady Tate, Al McKibben, who played with Thelonious Monk, Britt Woodman from Duke Ellington's band. It was like a roll call. And one of my fan- most favorite pianists, Sir Roland Hannon. It was, I remember the first time I walked up in there, I was like, man, this is like, this is like a movie made for Hollywood where a kid wakes up in a dream and he's sitting with all, his, all of his legends. So that's my, when you talk about the economics, you've got to be in a situation where you do what you love because it's what makes you get up the next day. I mean, if you got to get up and do a job that you don't like, you might get up and do it because you got to pay the rent. But if you're doing something you like, you're going to get up and have a good time doing what you want to do to pay the rent. Take that to heart, folks. By the way, one of the lines that you've said so many times to me is, is the bandstand is a classroom. That must oh, yeah. have been a very good classroom. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I that was the, they were the best teachers in the world. It's 646 here in the Crescent City. i got to let him go. I don't want to. It's Victor Goins. His new album is entitled Morning Swing. You can get it over at Snug Harbor tonight. It's going to be available online and digitally through iTunes and Amazon and everything else. His other album from last year is already online. Yes. That's Twilight, and you can get that also at Louisiana Music Factory if you're here in town. But the important thing to realize is that tonight he's going to be over at snug harbor in less than he'll be starting less than an hour and 10 minutes 10 15 minutes from now so he's got to get over there and then he'll at eight o'clock ten o'clock that's 626 frenchman street if you're all interested we send you nothing but happiness for this coming year victor thank you very much and i i send it out to our audience out there as well the former dj that's his greatest claim to fame oh yes yes definitely (laughs) Thank you very much. Thank you both, Cedric. Thank you both for showing up. I appreciate it. Thanks for listening to our WWOZ podcast, bringing the voices of New Orleans to the world.